It's a joy to be back in Bemidji, the God's country, right? Uh, we, had, we are in Cold Spring. We live in a, a, a house provided for missionaries through River of Life Church there in Cold Spring. And the drive up straight north to Bemidji yesterday was, was wonderful. The colors are beautiful, and uh, it's just great to be with you. We are Mark and Anjali Jones. I want to have my wife just... Uh, Stand up if you want to greet. Uh, you're you're free to do that. Yeah, uh, a great. She is a great partner, uh, not only in marriage but in missions, and uh, her 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 own testimony is just uh, a wonderful, uh, the wonderful grace of God, but also the commitment of the assemblies of God, which you're a part of, the commitment of the assemblies of God movement to global missions. She grew up a Hindu uh, in a little island in the Indian Ocean between Africa and Australia called Mauritius. And uh, they're, they're Hindus there. Uh, they, they serve 300 or 500, whatever it is now, 500 million gods, 300 million gods. Uh, and uh, their, their family was uh, serving. Uh, they choose one or two and, and uh, the, the, the testimony of God's grace on that island in the 1960s when an Assembly of God pastor uh, left France, French Assemblies of God pastor, went to that island in the Indian Ocean, uh, one million people, mostly Hindus, some Muslims, uh, and a few Catholics, when he began to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, for the first time, uh, there, there was no Hindus that were believers. It was completely unreached. No Hindus uh, uh, were converted. No, uh, no Muslims converted. But when uh, that uh, Assembly of God pastor preached the gospel, be, turned missionary, preached the gospel for five years, uh, tens of thousands of Hindus and even Muslims turns, turned their, their lives to Christ, and the church was born. That island is reached, and out of that came... Uh, uh, the wonderful story, uh, my wife's story, of uh, our of local church commitment to missions, to global missions. Well, I, before I before I preach or speak, uh, I want to show. Oh, Pastor mentioned. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for, and I need to qualify that now. It's uh, it's Doctor Pastor, Reverend Doctor, and I congratulate. Uh, Pastor John and his, uh, his diligence, bless you. It's not easy. Uh, before I, I, I give you that message that God has laid on my heart, I want uh, to show you a clip, just five-minute clip of our work in the past term in Swaziland. But it's no longer called Swaziland. Pastor mentioned it. Uh, the king last year in the 50th uh, anniversary of, uh, of independence, uh, he declared and made a decree that we are no longer going to be called Swaziland. That's a colonial term. It's an English word, and we're going uh, to now name our country in our own language, and that's the Siswati language. And we are, he, he declared, we are calling ourselves and this country, this kingdom, still a kingdom, run by the king. We are going to call this kingdom a Swatini. Everyone, everyone say a Swatini, a Swatini. 
uh, and uh, that'll be on our card. Take a card, a prayer card on the way out. You'll uh, find out how that's, that's uh, spelled. But here is our work in the last term. Uh, be thinking of what God wants you to do in the Vision Sunday next Sunday.
We thank you for, being, for partnering with us in any way that God leads you to do that. We were here last, last furlough. Appreciate your blessing us with uh, uh, a part that we used, uh, uh, an offering that we used for some of the things that you're seeing here. And uh, uh, never underestimate what God can do as you send missionaries around the world. Uh, God is about reaching the lost, both here in Bemidji, but also to the ends of the earth. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. I I hope we can get this on the the screen if you don't, but uh, I want to read a couple passages. Uh, If you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And then when you have your finger in John chapter 10, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, verses, beginning at verse 6. I, uh, I am beginning with the gospel of John chapter 10, and this is actually the very text uh, I used five years ago when I was here. But I never finished my sermon. <laughs> so I'm going to do that now. Uh, there were, there's a true story about John Calvin, uh, the great reformer, Protestant reformer in Geneva, Switzerland. He uh, was given permission by the government uh, to preach and teach in the great, uh, one of the great churches, Protestant church there in Geneva, Switzerland. And so for years he was preaching and teaching every Sunday and uh, several times even during the week he would preach and teach. And uh, on, on one Sunday he was preaching from from uh, Psalm, I think it was Psalm 90, verse 4, when the authorities, you know, you see, it was difficult in the 16th century in Europe to, uh, to be a Protestant. Well, there was a change of government. The, the, the government officials came into that church, and, and right when he was about to read, uh, read uh, Psalm 90, chapter, or chapter, or Psalm 90, verse 4, they took him out. They kicked him out of Geneva. And it was many years later that he returned to, to Geneva. There was a change of government, a pro-Protestant government. So they allowed John Calvin to come back into that very same church, large church, uh, pretty much the same congregation, uh, many years later. So he, he, uh, he's, he's entering the church for the first time after many years. He gets up behind the pulpit And this is what he says in so many words. Now, where was I? Psalm 90, verse 4. We're going to continue. So that's what I'm going to do from five years ago. But it's not the same message, but I am am, uh, finishing my sermon. Now, I'm going to start with John chapter 10, verses 14 uh, and 15. And then I'm going to go to Revelation. I didn't read Revelation. I didn't finish. So I'm going to do that right away so uh, we can hear the Word of God. This is a challenge, a challenge to you to, go, to commit to global missions. John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. Now, I'm going to come back to verse 16 later. But we, we find two things here. The good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd to his flock that he has gathered here today. 
we must never, whatever we do with global missions, we must never neglect the local ministry of the body of Christ to one another. I, I, I love your, uh, your theme statement, connecting people to God and each other and their mission. Well, we, we start right here. Local ministry must continue. He is our shepherd. This is caring and nurturing in the body of Christ. Amen. Secondly, he lays down his life for the sheep. He is the lamb that has laid down his life both for you and I, those who are in Christ here today. You've given your life to Christ. He laid down his life so you can, you can have eternal life. He laid down his life for you individually, personally, for you so that you might have the hope of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Jesus is the, is the shepherd. He is both shepherd and lamb who was slain at the foundations of the earth for our benefit. But thirdly, I want to see another aspect of Jesus Christ, and that is in Revelation. Jesus is shepherd. He is the lamb that was slain for us, and not only for us here in, in Bemidji, in Crossroads Church, but for the whole world. He gave his life for the whole world. Who, and, the, and every tribe and tongue will be there when we all get to heaven. And that's what we read in chapter 5 of Revelation. If you want to turn there, I'm going to draw out some, uh, th- this, this major point from these verses, beautiful verses, that Jesus is also not only shepherd and lamb, but he is also Lord over the earth. He is Lord over every tribe and tongue and nation. Verse 6, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him, the only one who is worthy to take the scroll. None of us, none of us were worthy. There's not one uh, who was worthy to do this except the Lamb who was slain for us all. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the, four twi- the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Verse 9, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard that the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, tens Uh, 10,000 times 10,000, they encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and, and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor, and glory, and power forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. There will one day, we will all gather, all of us who are in Jesus Christ, will all gather in heaven. And when we do that, 
we will see every tribe and tongue and nation gathered with us. Hallelujah. And after we, we throw our crowns before the Lord of glory and we cry, Holy, we join the angels in the 10,000 times, 10,000 angels. We, we, we join them in, in worship and praise to a God who made this all possible. When that happens, when that happens, missions will be over. I will be out of a job. <laughs> Local missions here in Bemidji will be over. And what will continue forever and ever and ever and ever is worship to an almighty God who have made this all possible. Hallelujah. We give praise and honor to the Lamb who was slain at the foundations of the earth for all peoples. And I want to challenge, I want to challenge you here today. I have three points. Number one, Jesus is the shepherd. Local ministry must continue. If we don't have strong churches, strong local churches, if we don't have a strong crossroads church, church, global missions will suffer. We won't, if a local church, a strong local church, means strong global missions. Amen? Let us minister to one another, carrying our burdens with one another. Those who cry, we weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice. That continues. Local ministry continues because he is the shepherd. Local mission, local mission must continue. The, there are lost in, in Bemidji. There's lost in Beltrami County, right? And we must, we must gather them into the fold. John chapter 10, verse 16 says this. Jesus says to the church, I have other sheep that are, that are not part of this fold. I have other sheep that are yet to be gathered into the fold. We must always remember and always do and continue doing local missions. Amen. Local ministry. Jesus is shepherd. Local mission because Jesus laid down his life not only for the flock that is gathered here today, but he also laid down his life for the lost that are yet to be gathered into the fold, that are uh, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in the marketplace, in Bemidji, in the surrounding area. Amen. Yet, local mission, local ministry continues. Yet, I, I need to make this point, global missions is tragically neglected. Now, I have to qualify that with the Assemblies of God and with churches like Crossroads who have missionaries on their walls that are, they're sending around the world. But here's, the, here's, the, here's the, a fact. Here's a fact, and I'll give you one example from my live-dead friends who goes to the Muslim uh, regions of the world and tries to break through the barriers of Islam. They tell me in Yemen, in the southern uh, part of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, there is a province in Yemen of 9 million people. And there are in that 9 million population, that province, there are between 20 and 30 believers of 9 million people. You know, how, you know, you know what that represents? That's Minis the state of Minnesota, the population of the state of Minnesota and Wisconsin combined. Minnesota and Wisconsin combined, and there are... 
the numbers we have in a Sunday school class, that is what, is what exists in that province in Yemen, a completely, totally unreached province. In, in, in Africa itself, there is 867 unreached people groups. Now, we have, we have different numbers. Last, uh, last night, we, uh, we found out from those numbers uh, there's 345 yet to be unreached, but that's, that, there, there, there's a different way to, uh, to calculate that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the higher number. There is how many, how many are reached around the world? How many people groups are reached around the world? There is between uh, 16 and 18,000 people groups that are reached for the gospel, for the, for the sake of Christ. Hallelujah. Can you p- say praise the Lord? 16 to 18,000 have been reached. There is enough Christians in those countries that, that the, the, pretty much the whole country can be reached or are, are reached completely already. There is the witness of the gospel. But yet there is 6,000 unreached people groups yet, yet to be reached for Christ. We have to continue sending missionaries. We have to continue to, uh, to commit to projects in those lands, both unreached and those that we are trying to strengthen, like Swaziland, now called Eswatini, uh, that's what we're looking at. Unreached villages yet to be reached. Unreached people groups in the 1040 window yet to be reached. The Fulanis, the Hausa, the Fulankinda, the Mandinking, the Wolof, the Tubu, the Maba, the Mandinka. These are 10 of the 865 African people groups yet that are unreached. They represent 2 billion people around the world, mostly in the 1040 window, 6,000 people groups that are spread across the globe that are still unreached. Now, you might be saying, well, we've we've got lost and unsaved right here in Bemidji. Uh, What about them? Don't we need to reach them? Yes, you need to reach them. Local mission must continue you must be committed to reaching your neighbor for Christ. Yet, I want to make a difference. There is a difference between unreached people and lost people. When you are talking about the lost in Bemidji or Beltrami County, you're talking about unsaved people, but not people who have never heard the gospel. Virtually every American has, in some form or way, have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's true. I, I, I was driving down uh, I-94 uh, just two days ago, and I, a big billboard says, the only way, Jesus is the only way to God. John 3.16, another billboard I saw. Uh, Americans have been reached. They, they have access to the gospel. But an unreached people, a, a person from an unreached people group is, is lost or unsaved and they are both lost or unsaved and they will never in their lifetimes ever hear the gospel message. They will be born. They will They will live their entire life and they will die without ever seeing a billboard 
John 3.16. They, they will never meet or hear a Christian person. They will never see or hold a Bible or hear one word from the Bible that you have in your hand or the, the, the many that you have in possession of. They will never, they will live and die without ever hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's 6,000 people group. It's 2 billion people living on this earth. And I want to go, I want to go to Jesus, yes, he's the shepherd of this local congregation and all local churches around the world. He, he cares for you. But he has laid, and, 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 and how, how do we know that? Well, he has laid down his life. He is the lamb who was slain. Now, I want to I uh, make clear two aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. There's two aspects we need to know. One, the atonement the laying down of the Lamb for our sins is an individual, personal act of Jesus Christ. Each one of you who have given your life to Jesus uh, have applied the atonement to your life. You have received eternal life. You have received uh, the hope that is in Jesus Christ. You have received the forgiveness of sins. You have received Jesus into your life. The atonement is local it is personal. It is individual. Amen? And that's why we need to continue to share the gospel. What we know and what we have in our hearts to our neighbors, to those, our classmates in school, the marketplace, we need to continue to share the good news of Jesus because it's, it's individual. And we're leading individuals to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But there's another aspect of the atonement that we just read in Revelation. Another aspect of the, of the atonement is this, that the gospel, the atonement, is also global. The atonement is, yes, individual, but it is global as well. That means that when Jesus laid down his life, he not only laid it down for you and your, your personal life, your individual life, but he laid it down for every tribe, tongue, and nation. Revelation says what? We just read it. The blood of Jesus purchased for God peoples from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Amen? And so when we commit, as we commit ourselves to God, through individual salvation and to each other in this local congregation, and then to our mission. That mission not only includes the lost in Bemidji, but it includes committing ourselves to global missions. It is what we need to ask this question. What must I do? What can I do to reach the lost? What can I do in this local congregation to reach the lost of the world? You see, the Great Commission is not only a general command to make disciples whenever you can, wherever you live, wherever you go in Bemidji. It's not merely local in scope. It is also a specific command. Go and make disciples of who? Of, of, where, of, of who? Of what people where? Go and make disciples of all Nations. It is a global mission, and that is what we are a part of. We, the church, but in general, we have neglected 
global missions. Our obedience to the Great Commission is incomplete if we only make disciples locally, if we only minister in the local church that we find ourselves in. I challenge you, as you, as you find your mission, it might be, yeah, everyone has a ministry. Everyone, I believe, every member is to be a minister in the local congregation. But at the same time, when, G- when Jesus gave that command to every disciple, he said, go and make disciples. He is giving you a mission, not only a local mission, but he is giving you an international mission, a mission that is the heart of God himself to the lost around the world. Amen. Well, I want to go to the last point. Jesus is Lord over all nations. Hallelujah. He is Lord over the German peoples. He's Lord over the Swedish peoples. And we, we, we've got a lot of them up here in northern Minnesota. But, but he's also Lord over the Native Americans. He's Lord over the, the, the African continents, the Asian continents. And, and if they find themselves to be in our midst, he is Lord over every people group, over every nation, over every tribe. And we must join together with Jesus to reach the nations for the glory of God, and for the sake of Christ. I have a story. I've got five minutes left. I want to make clearer how the Lord, how God through Jesus Christ, the atonement being both individual and global, how He has, what, what He does, the, the links that He goes to reach the nations. Last furlough, I, I gave you the story of, of my father who was a missionary before me in Africa, East Africa. Uh, Kenya was uh, where he was assigned, and he was used by God, used by God to reach in one of those unreached tribes called the Maasai tribe. The Ma- there are ten, well, probably hundreds of thousands of Maasai spread across uh, southern Kenya and northern Tanzania a fierce warrior tribe. The British, when they colonized Kenya, they, they just left them alone. They, did, they didn't want to stir them up. They didn't want any, uh, any trouble from the, this warrior tribe called the Maasai. Uh, when my dad went there in the, in the 80s, back in the 80s, there was that handful of believers from the Maasai. There was one church. There was, you know, 20 to 30 Maasai, that, completely unreached. The, these Maasai were at the edge of the border, of their of their land, and there was nothing, nothing, uh, nothing that was done until my my father and a couple others that that joined him went into Masai. There were miracle after miracle. A, he didn't know how he was going to go get into Masai land, but uh, a Masai chief, a very important Masai chief, came to uh, Nairobi to find healing for his uh, advanced rheumatoid arthritis. And they couldn't, the doctors couldn't do nothing. So someone said, you, you can find your healing. Or, or someone came up to this Maasai chief. His name, uh, his Christian name was Gideon. And, uh, he, he, but he wasn't Christian <laughs> until after this, this episode. But uh, someone came up to this Maasai chief and said, do you want your healing? 
he said, who are you? Are you a doctor? Can you heal me? Because the doctors at the main hospital here in Nairobi said no. So who are you? Well, I'm not a doctor, but I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that you can find your healing in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yes, okay, yeah, I want my healing. And if I can find my healing, how, what do I need to do? On the next Sunday, down this road, a kilometer down this road, is, uh, is an assembly of God. It's a church. happened to be the, the Assemblies of God, one of the first uh, churches of the Kenya Assemblies of God that was birthed there uh, from, uh, from our efforts in Kenya. But so that, that Maasai chief went to that, uh, uh, that church and uh, didn't, hear, didn't really understand much of the sermon. Uh, he's, you know, he speaks Maasai, knows a little bit of Swahili. Uh, it was in English, translated into Swahili. And, uh, he didn't, but at the end of the service, in, in clear Swahili that he understood, he said, now, is, is there anyone here? who is sick in body and you want to be healed. If you come up here, we will pray for you and you can be healed. We believe here you can be healed in the name of Jesus. And he says, in his mind, he said, that's me. That's why I'm here. He comes up uh, to that altar. Uh, He's he's, uh, struggling in his rheumatoid arthritis. He's going to be in a wheelchair in, in a very short time. He comes up and my father walks down and places his hand on his head and he's he's healed in the name of in one in, within it, it took one week but within one week he was as if he was a a 20-year-old warrior in the bush of Africa walking miles kilometers and kilo- he he had the strength of a 20-year-old and what did he he do he took my my father didn't know how he was going to get into he was assigned the Maasai tribe that that chief went uh, went into Maasai land, took, he, he invited my father. He said, I want my people to know this Jesus that, that has saved my heart, have saved me from my sins and has have healed my body. I want my, my, the members of my clans, I want Maasai to know this Jesus. I want them to be healed in the name of Jesus just as I have. So he took my father for 15 years. He took my father into Maasai land and 30 churches were planted. 30 churches were planted. There were, there were 12 warriors that came to Jesus Christ. They had the spears and the, the, shield, the African shield. They were out in the bush, but there were 12. They, they call, to this day, they call them the 12. <laughs> My father brought 12 saved warriors from that tribe and brought them to Bible school in, uh, in, in Nairobi at East Africa, School, uh, East Africa School of Theology and trained those 12 to, be, to go back into Maasai land and to, to, uh, to, sh- to spread the gospel to the ends of that tribe. And that's exactly what they did. There are now, fast forward to today, there are now, well, this is, this is, year, this is two years old, <laughs> But there are now 500 Assembly of God churches in Maasai land. And there could be. I've got to, I've got to talk to my father. But there, there may be 700. But there are, there are 50,000 Maasai across, spread across Maasai. They're, they're, they're coming to church every Sunday morning in their, 
their tabernacle church or their, their mud, uh, mud church. They're they are worshiping Jesus Christ just as you are here today. How did that happen? How did that happen? That another tribe is reached for the glory of, of God. It happened because churches just like this, local churches in Minnesota and Wisconsin, sent my dad in the 1980s to go to Maasai land. That's how it's done. Hallelujah. I want can to, I, can I have two more minutes? <laughs> Let me tell you how God, it's in his heart. It's the, the beat of his heart is for every tribe, just as he, he has reached you. You know, and, and I've got to say, how, how, how do we find ourselves here? at uh, Crossroads Church, saved by the grace of God. How, how, how did that happen? Well, let's, let's go back to the very first century. A church called Antioch uh, sent the first missionary, didn't they? They laid hands on them. It, it's, it, seemed, it seemed good that the Holy Spirit is, is, is for us to send Paul and Barnabas to the nations. Amen? Listen, if we apply... If we apply uh, American politics, <laughs> we don't want to do that, American politics to global missions, here's, here's what we say. America first. There are lost here. Let's just win them first. Well, let's win them and forget about the rest of the world. Now, I'm not saying that's totally American politics, but what if, what if the church in Antioch said, Antioch first? We're going, we're going to do local missions only, merrily. You and I would not, not be seated here as believers today. It's because local churches, that local church in Antioch sent missionaries, and, and they, their local churches is the engine of missions. It's the engine of global missions. If you don't do it, it will not get done. One more story. And I, I was with my dad as a single missionary, Matt, uh, a missionary associate, uh, whew, 35 years ago, 30. Anyway, I, I went with my dad into Maasai land as a single missionary. And uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't there the Sunday. I had, I had my own assignment. But one day, my, my father, this is early in the 80s. It's early in the, the mission to the Maasai. And he went out to this. Gideon brought him out to a clan, a major clan in the Maasai, uh, Maasai land. And uh, he, Gideon brought my father out to that clan because there was the, the chief. It was a feared chief. It was the most important chief that Gideon knew and, and had influence over vast regions, regions of Maasai land. And Gideon brought my father, and there, and, and there he was. Uh, that, that, that chief was there. He said he'd be there, and he was there. And the, the chief was standing way in the back with maybe a hundred Maasai. They're gathered there to hear the gospel for the first time. My, my father preached the message, he, uh, uh, and then he inv- as he did always, he invited the, this, these Maasai to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. N- nothing happened. 
No, no, nothing happened. The interpreter interpreting into Maasai, he, he, was, he, he was nervous because usually there was a few that came. He was nervous. But what this, these hundred Maasai were waiting for was any sign from this chief, this chief of the region. What was the, what was the chief going to do? So they waited, and they waited, and it was like an eternity. But then, uh, as my father was standing there three, t- three times inviting to, to receive Jesus, the, the crowd began to separate because this old, old chief. Now, we are told, my father was told by the interpreter who learned it from, that this chief was 120 years old. <laughs> I don't know, there's no birth certificates, don't, but he saw the, the British rail, Railroad be put in in the, I don't know, what, 1920s, 30s from, uh, from Kenya up into Uganda. Anyway, uh, this old man, he had a cane. He, he was, it took him a, a forever to get down to my father. And when he, when, when he, Uh, got to my father, he turned back to the Maasai that were gathered there, and this is what he said. He said, when I was a teenager, (laughs) that's 100 years ago, or more than 100, if it's true, he's 120. That's 100 years ago. When I was a teenager, God, whoever that was uh, in his religion, but God, the supreme God, which they believed, God gave me a dream, and in that dream, a wazungu, mzungu, one single white man from Europe. Uh, he, knew, he, he knew enough that, there, that white man came from Europe, but there was a white man that was going to come to my village one day, and he's going he's gonna, to gonna, he's gonna speak to you. The truth. When you hear this man in the dream, God tells him, when you hear this man, you are to believe him because this man will give you the truth. The truth. He will give you good news. He will give you what you are to receive and your, and your whole clan. What you and after he, he told this to that, that Maasai group, he turned to my father and he, and he said this. He looked at my father in his eyes and he said, You are the man. You are the man a hundred years ago. You are the very man in my dream a hundred years ago that God told me was going to come to my village and speak words of truth, the truth of God himself. And he turned around to the crowd and he said to them, this clan that had been gathered, he said to them, we are going to receive this Jesus that this man has come to tell us about. And they all came forward and knelt in the red African dirt and they all gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You see, this is God's heart for the nations. Before my father's mother was born. He did the math. Before my, whoa, before my father's mother was born, God gave to that Maasai chief that dream. And now the whole of the Maasai tribe in southern Kenya and northern Tanzania is now reached for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I have to close. Amen.
Next, next Sunday is Vision Sunday. And I want you to be praying, praying, what does God want you to do for Vision Sunday? Now, you can do it. You can do, there's two ways to do a, a faith pledge, whatever you're, whatever you're calling it. But there's two ways. It's, there's one way, and, and I'm not against this. If that's where, where you have to start, that, that's God working in your life. But there is, there is one way to do it, and that is, uh, this is what I can do. This is what I can do for global missions. And you write down a figure for, for the project or for sending mission, however uh, pastor's going to do it next. This is what I can do. But there's another question you need to ask. What can God do through me? There's something that you can do, and if you want to start there, maybe you've never given to missions, except maybe when a missionary is here. You've never, you've never really uh, intentionally given to missions. What's your next step? What is the next step? What's the first step that you need to do? I, I, I see young people here. I just, I just read a Minnesota youth. Here's what he does. He flips burgers. He's at a, a burger joint. He gets a paycheck every two weeks. And here's what that, that young high school student does for global missions. He takes his check, the whole check, and it's, it's several, probably 20 hours, at least 20 hours a week. But he, he takes his entire check. He pays the insurance on his car, and then he fills his tank of, uh, with gas, and then he takes the rest of that check and he gives it to missions. He gives it to Speed the Light. That's how, in the last three years, we've gone over one million. The, the, the students, the high school, the youth of Minnesota has gone over one million dollars for the last three years, more than any district in the United States. Hallelujah. How did that happen? It happened because a youth, and every one of us are going to commit ourselves to global missions just as we commit ourselves to the local body and to local missions. Amen. Father, I, I thank you for this, this local f- congregation, this flock that you have gathered. You have gathered them here because you are a shepherd and you care for them, and you've, you've uh, appointed under, uh, under shepherds pastors here in this congregation and elders here that uh, lead this flock in finding their ministry to one another. You care for this flock, but you also have given us a mission, a mission to Bemidji, to the lost and unsaved in Bemidji in the surrounding area. But Lord, as Lord of the nations and as a lamb that was slain, not only for us individually, but for every tribe, tongue, and nation, for every person on this globe, you've, you've given your life. Lord, we commit ourselves to missions. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for this time. Amen. Why don't you stand with me right now? If our prayer ministers could come forward, we always want to have an opportunity at every service to pray and to, you know, we always hear, sometimes when missionaries come, we say, oh, the missionaries come and they talk about, uh, we believe God can heal, and they'll talk about healing stories. We believe God can heal. God doesn't just heal in Africa. He doesn't just heal for our missionaries. He wants to heal people here today. He wants to restore lives today. He wants to help you. If you've never accepted Christ, he wants to meet you where you are. 
He wants to set you free on a mission to your community because no one is better at, at reaching your community than you. God has equipped you and given you that skills. But we just want to pray a blessing on Mark and Angelie today and uh, just uh, a blessing upon them. And uh, Ken and Jen, if you could join up here with me. And uh, I'm just going to pray a blessing upon them. If you just want to, if everybody just wants to reach out to them as we're praying and pray for their ministry. Lord, we pray for Mark and Angelie. We, we're so thankful that they are here. We're so thankful that you've called them to missions, God. You've called them to reach people. You've called them to drill wells and build churches and, and uh, do discipleship and train up ministers. You've called them in children and youth, God. You've called them in so many areas. And now, God, we just pray a blessing upon them. We pray a blessing upon them in everything that they do. That they will see the greatest years they've ever had in missions come up now. That they will have resources come to them as they itinerate throughout the states here, God. That they will find the, the funds that they need to go back. That you will supernaturally give them provision, God. And God, let us never forget to pray for them constantly, God. And Lord, I pray right now for everybody who is here. Right now, the message, like Mark said, God, is what do you want us to give to help this mission? And God, what are you going to provide for us to give? Because it's all coming back from you, God. And so we pray right now that you um, work through us, allow us to be blessed as we give, God. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have prayer. We're going to have our um, ushers available at the back uh, to take up the offering for everybody who wants to give towards missions. And, uh, and also take a prayer card. Thank you.